As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars and sportsman drag racers big jed it is good to be back it has been it seems like it's been forever it's been a few weeks since i got to hear your voice yeah luke you think i mean how many episodes this is i don't know but it's a bunch uh and you think about how many years we've done this there hasn't been very many stretches like this where we were not together talking about racing and what's happening on the track or off the track. So it has felt like a long break and it is great to hear your voice and, and get to talk to you about what's going on out in the racing world. Yeah. Full transparency. I, I actually hope that the listener hasn't noticed this, but uh, I I've obviously those of you that have been following along know that I'm on my, my family and I are on our version of the, the Western swing uh, and we're actually just getting started. We're on week three of 10. Uh, we, we came for the NHRA winter nationals in Pomona and we aren't going home until after the spring fling million. That's early February to mid April. Um, so in the, the, the gist of, or in the, the, the mix of getting out here and getting set up and racing, uh, we haven't recorded the last couple of weeks of the, the shows that we've released. We had pre-recorded. Like I say, hopefully you didn't even notice that. But uh, it has been different on our end. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, Big Jed, I've, I've, been, having, I've been having Big Jed withdrawals. So it, it's great to be back. 
Well, you should have enough from this show to last you a while, and uh, maybe <laughs> maybe you'll you'll get ready for some more big jets sometime soon. But uh, no, it's going to be good stuff, man. We we've got NHRA racing, which you've got to see firsthand out there. You know that that's cool that you know we're going to talk about some NHRA racing, some on track stuff, and great performances that you got to witness live. That's uh, that's really good stuff with you being on the West coast. And then we had some big buck bracket racing action down on the Gulf coast. Um, lots and lots of winners and great performances in this show. Uh, it's going to be fun to talk about. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. 100%. I'll apologize in advance uh, on the road. And I, I, I thought I had all my equipment in line, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that my audio is quite up to par for per normal. So uh, if not, Apologies there, but uh, but we're going to roll through with some content and uh, and some 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 insights and and the typical sportsman drag racing podcast chicanery as well. So without further ado, uh, let's kick this thing off with T J North. All right, Big Jed, we're back. It's been a little while. Uh, it's good to hear your voice, and uh, it's great to be at a point in the calendar where we can actually talk about some on-track action. Yeah, Luke, it's definitely good to be back together. Um, you and I are probably about as far apart as we've ever been for this show, as, uh, as you're coming to us from uh, from beautiful Phoenix, but um, definitely uh, really excited about getting into some race results here we we've got nhra action we've got bracket racing big bug bracket racing so it's good starting to feel right again starting to feel like what the show's about luke it is it is it's uh and you know, i know that i've done the show from vegas before so i don't we'd have to get the ruler out to see if this is the furthest it's close um i'm gonna guess that it's a little bit nicer weather here than it is i don't know you're not in a bad spot of the world but it's been gorgeous out here for a couple weeks 70 and sunny today baby it's been beautiful nice all right we're on par then yeah we've got obviously a lot of nhra action already underway a couple of races on the big dollar bracket scene uh, kind of specific to the gulf coast at this point where do you want to start oh luke i mean we're we're you're in NHRA country. We're we're talking to you from NHRA events. So let's get started with some of that NHRA action. Talk about some hot drivers. There has been a lot of that. Like at this point, it, on this part of the country, we're obviously two weeks in back to back national events, and the the winners list from the two events or the finalists list maybe it's kind of rinse and repeat. Like it's been kind of domination almost across the board in a variety of classes to this point, I guess most notably um, Don Mazier in Top Sportsman, red hot. He has started the season 10-0. and 0. He won the NHRA Winter Nationals in Pomona. Um, he won the NHRA Arizona Nationals here in Phoenix, where I'm at today. Defeated Mike Furterer in the Phoenix final. It's kind of a bizarre final. Furt actually got shut off. I believe he was leaking something in the final. It was. It's rare, um, and, I, and I obviously was close to this because I was – watching from the fence um but there was actually two final rounds in which it was opponent broke signals which is pretty rare uh it was the top sports in the final and then not sure what happened in Superstock, but ryan mcclanahan uh his opponent larry mcclanahan no relation i believe um 
didn't ever make the call. So I assume that he hurt something on a semifinal run. Ryan Solo further did a burnout and then uh, was shut off on the starting line. But regardless, that was the 10th the of 10 consecutive win lights for Don Mazir in Top Sportsman. Uh, like I mentioned, he defeated Jeff Gillette in the final of Pomona. He did get one lucky break at Pomona. I believe it was second round. Um, he broke. I was actually sitting in the bleachers to see it. It sounded like it broke an input shaft or something about mid-track. It zinged to the sky, and he coasted, and Ed Olpin in the opposite lane, getting chased by a couple of tents in a top sportsman car. Obviously, he's got limited visibility. He went one thou under. Whatever was wrong with Mazir's car, he was able to get fixed in time for round three and then proceeded to just run off to everybody and, uh, and win Pomona, then back it up by winning Phoenix. 10 consecutive rounds in top sportsman. You couldn't ask for a better start to the season. Not very impressive. Don has been a, you know, a very competitive racer for quite some time. And, um, you know, he's, he's definitely not one of the, the younger guys. So I, uh, I understand not, and certainly don't mean any offense there, but I understand the going fast and being hard to look around deal, you know, against, uh, or, or I understand that out of open too, because he's a, he's a senior racer. So Don catching a break there and, and one of those deals and certainly driving well as well, Luke and getting off to a really hot start. You know, this is, uh, this is one of those dream starts really where you, you position yourself to, to make a run. Now Don is way out there. So be tough for him to, to travel a whole bunch, probably back, back East. But if it uh, comes to that, it'll be interesting to see if he comes out this way to, to make any races. Well, the issue that West Coast racers have predominantly is, is making enough national events. Like if there's an issue, you can make the divisionals. And specific to top sportsmen, the rules are, are slightly different. You, you get you to claim your best three out of five rather than three out of six. So it's one less event you have to go to. And he's already banked two wins. So <laughs> yeah, well. you, could, you could conceivably get away with a less than stellar third national, or at the very least, he has three opportunities to, to get one decent one, uh, can make the divisionals. Uh, and it's odd, like the way that the schedule lays out this season and division sevens, eight divisional events happen on four weekends. They're four doubles, uh, starting with this weekend in Phoenix. So um, typically I would say like, don't, put all your eggs in one basket, two races does not make a season. And typically national events are slightly less important than divisional events. Like they all, all of the points count the same, but just from pure percentages, national events, typically you get three out of six. So you need, every other one needs to be good. Whereas divisionals, you claim five out of eight, you have less margin for error. So like winning two divisionals then would inherently increase your odds a little bit more than winning two nationals. However, Due to that change that I just mentioned in top sportsmen, I think national events take similar precedence to divisionals. Um, and Mazir's hot start, like, I'm not ready to crown him yet, but that's a very good racer and a very good car that has been uh, very accomplished for, you know, a decade in that category. And to get a two-race jump on the competition, obviously, he's the odds-on favorite, you know, here in March. Yeah, like I said, very good start, and you made some great points. And as I sat and thought about it, you know, you're talking about the divisionals and the impact they'll have. If he has a good weekend there in uh, Phoenix at that double divisional you talked about off air, um, he can really just kind of sit back and relax and hit his divisionals and wait on the 
the end of the season to come back to him essentially and finish it up out there. So either way, you get off to a, a double win start in the first two events. Uh, you got to be feeling really good, and I'm sure Donnie is. Well, let's, let me put it this way. There's, there's two more opportunities this weekend here in Phoenix, and I realize it's a tall order, but if he were to hoist another Wally this weekend, they're in trouble. I mean, three out of four would <laughs> – yeah, that, that's, that's a heck of a start. I mean, and, and what he's done so far is impressive, obviously. Now, to that point, um, Tom Mazier has assembled 10 consecutive win lights. Leo Glassbrenner in Stock Eliminator said, Dom, I will see your 10 and raise you two. Leo, Grass, Leo Glassbrenner wins Pomona, wins Phoenix. Stock was a six-round race at each event, so he's actually seen two more win lights undefeated here early on in 2022. Leo Glassbrenner knocked off Jeff Jerome this weekend in the Phoenix final. Uh, and what stood out to me just looking at the box score from here in Phoenix Leo Glassburner solid on the tree throughout his six rounds. In four of the six, he matched his dial in. This is quarter mile stock eliminator in the desert. I mean, granted, it was pretty dialable here last weekend. There wasn't crazy wind or anything like that, but it's a nine second stock eliminator car. Like to go dead on four runs out of six, pretty impressive. And oh, by the way, the two runs that he didn't go dead on, one was a single and the other one his opponent broke. So just for the sake of conversation, I'm going to say Leo was going dead on all six runs. I have no <laughs> idea if that's true, but it sounds good. Well, I would, uh, I would bet he could have run the dial in for sure, Luke. So I would say that's fairly accurate. And uh, again, super hot start. And I mean, we're, we're talking about this and there's more that we're going to discuss here shortly, but I, and I don't know which guys run division six, which guys run division seven, but I'm starting to feel like already just right here, March the 1st, that, some champions are going to come out of division six and seven this year because these guys are red hot already. Well, in the nature of the way that this schedule lays out, I, maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into this because this hasn't necessarily been the case in the past, but the way that this sets up, you have the two nationals followed by, you know, a double divisional this weekend. So it's four events in three weeks it just stands to reason that the opportunity is there for momentum really to play a factor. And again, if, if one of these racers or several others, like there have been several racers kind of show out across the two weeks before, if that continues and you have a really hot streak here for two, three weeks, um, you can really put the rest of the country behind the eight ball. And that's certainly the position that Don Mazir and, and Leo Glassbrenner have put themselves into this point. Yeah, no doubt. They, the, those performances at least have everyone's attention and, you know, the guys know that anytime someone's off to a hot start like that, you, you have to match that performance. You know, you out East, when you get your start, uh, somebody's going to have to get off to a fast start to, to keep pace with these guys. And, you know, that, that could be something you're thinking about too much at times. So it's uh, definitely made the things very interesting, very early. I kind of recapped um, Glassbrenner's performance here in Phoenix at the, his second national event victory of the season. A week prior, he defeated Jeff Lane in the Stock Eliminator final in Pomona, and that was notable as well because the Lane family, who we've talked about at length here on the podcast before, um, really impressive showing of Pomona. Cody Lane, who was last year's Division Four champion, who got that big bonus check courtesy of Roger Brogdon, 
for winning the competition eliminator division four championship he continued that momentum he won competition eliminator at pomona at the winter nationals and it was very nearly a family double as i mentioned his father jeff uh, advanced to the final round of stock eliminator before falling to the aforementioned leo glassburner speaking of family domination i know this isn't necessarily a sportsman drag racing podcast story but it seems relevant i claim i claim a lot of the the pros that have advanced through the sportsman ranks as our own. And obviously it was just over a month ago that we had Greg Stanfield here on the podcast. By the way, if you didn't hear that show, awesome. It was one of my favorite interviews to date. Greg's awesome. Um, but we talked a lot about Aaron Stanfield. And again, I realize that pro stock is not a sportsman category, but let's just zoom out a little bit and talk about the past. Well, by the time that you listen to this two weeks for family Stanfield, Aaron runners up pro stock at the winter nationals flies home. His wife, Jolie has their first baby, I think on Tuesday, obviously he's committed to flying back to Phoenix, (laughs) flies back to Phoenix, wins pro stock. Meanwhile, his father, Greg goes to Belrose for the divisional event. Don's the one on the side of his super stocker drives to the final of super stock his runner up to speedy Emmons. There's a lot going on in the Stanfield family. I didn't get a chance to catch up with Aaron last weekend. I'm assuming that's complete team no sleep. Like, there's <laughs> that's a lot in a week. I mean, it's all good stuff, but, <laughs> yeah. man, that's a lot going on, right? That is crazy busy and, you know, definitely uh, a hectic schedule. But he's a young guy. Aaron's really young. So he can keep up with that. Like, don't don't worry too much about him. Uh, obviously, a very talented, talented young man. When you watch the interviews and things that, that Aaron's a part of, um, you can tell that he's he's had a great upbringing. He's obviously Greg's a, a very solid individual and a, just a guy that's well-liked. But Aaron, just humble, talented man, and I really think this guy's going to continue to do great things in our sport. Um, just to be clear, I'm losing zero sleep over Aaron Sanfield's lack of sleep, but I thought it was a really wild story. So congrats to Aaron and his family, and uh, and obviously that pro stock team, uh, that they are, they are getting it together without question. So we mentioned probably the, the two hottest names in sports and drag racing, at least on the NHRA side. Jim Glenn very nearly added his name to that list. Um, he won Pomona, which is not actually his first time to win Pomona. He, uh, he won the Winter Nationals in 2011, I believe, in Supercomp. Repeated that feat uh, a week and a half ago. Defeated Wade Archer in an all-division six final. Then backs that up at Phoenix by advancing to the final round yet again where he looks over and sees Dan Foley, who had to look familiar because Dan Foley was not in the final at Pomona, but he was in the semis. Foley gets the better of their matchup at Phoenix, which is a cool story in and of itself because Dan Foley, I I thought this was a bit of an aberration. It's his first national event win. And I'm here to tell you, Jed, like growing up in Texas, Dan Foley has been racing Supercomp since I understood what Supercomp was. And he's a good racer. Like, it's kind of, it, it blew my mind to think that this was his first national event win, but it was after like legitimately 35, 40, I don't know, maybe more years of trying. Like that's always fun to watch. And just the look on his face, like that dude was soaking it in and rightfully so. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff. 
Oh, those are the coolest moments ever, Luke. That's that's a great story. And for somebody that's been doing it that long and collect their first national event win, you know, starting 2022, uh, who knows how many seasons that is for him. So very cool stuff. Those uh, those moments are fun to, to get to watch and capture. So good for you for getting to see it and certainly great for Dan for getting to live it. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool, and you just look at it from a points perspective. Like Jim Glenn, rightfully should feel great about his start to the season. He's like less than a round in the lead in points. <laughs> you you make two back to back national event finals. You you should be showing out. And uh, there's Dan Foley, like you know, half a round behind. <laughs> so there's that. It's obviously very early to be counting points, but uh, like I said, the the number of racers across multiple categories that have gone really deep in both events is kind of astounding to this point. Um, an, another, uh, I guess, example of that to some extent was in top dragster here. Art Hoover did not compete at Pomona, I don't believe, uh, but he won here at Phoenix. And the reason I thought that was notable outside of, you know, winning a national event in general, is a pretty notable thing. Um, the last time that they ran the national event here in Phoenix, which, yeah, that would have been last year, right? Yeah. I'm thinking there was a year off, but that was 2020. Um, Art Hoover was the defending champion. So back-to-back wins here in Phoenix. Uh, and just looking on Drag Race Central, this was his third national event win. Obviously, two of those come at this event. So congrats to Art Hoover as well. Yep, another hot start. And uh, certainly a guy that um, you know, has a history of, of performing well and a couple of wins there in Phoenix in his career. So, yep, uh, just another guy that's, uh, that's on the radar early. Outside of the national events here on the West Coast, there have been a pair of NHRA divisional events. Uh, Division two got kick-started, I believe, the weekend before Pomona. That's been a couple of weeks back with the uh, Lucas Oil Series event at South Georgia Motorsports Park. And then Division four got kicked off last weekend in Belrose. Uh, I'm not going to go through the, the individual results from each race. Obviously, congrats to all the winners. Congrats to all the finalists. There were a handful of items that jumped out to me, so I think I'll run through those bit by bit. Um, from Division 4, hot start for the Emmons family. Shocker, right? You know, <laughs> it seems like there's a Division 4 race. There's not not <laughs> typically one, like multiple Emmons in finals. This time around, uh, Speedy Emmons gets the win in Superstock. I think I mentioned that earlier over Greg Stanfield. Meanwhile, his son, Will, which I believe this was Will's first uh, divisional final, he fell in the final to Austin Alvey, but he's in the final of stock. So Emmons win runner-up in Belrose. Speaking of Austin Alvey, Austin took on hired gun roll. Uh, I don't know if you followed this on social media, Jed. Tyler Bohannon uh, recently purchased one of the Cummings Corvette stock eliminator cars, I would assume, with his million-dollar race winnings. Um, so the, the check came from the Cummings, the check went back to the Cummings, at least a portion of it to buy a really phenomenal stock eliminator car. And Austin Alvey was, uh, was tagged to essentially, I, I assume, pick that car up in Belrose. And by the way, while you're down there, why don't you drive it in stock eliminator? That worked out. Austin wins stock eliminator. Tyler just keeps winning, right? Everything's going Tyler Bohannon's way. Austin Alvey, who I think you can probably speak to better than I, Jed, uh, about his talent and potential as a young driver that is absolutely showing out at this point early in the season alvi not only did he win stock eliminator obviously his first time to sit in the car in belrose that came two weeks on the heels of his winning super stock 
at the Division II opener in South Georgia. So two events for Austin Alvey in 2022 and two Wallies. Yeah, great start. Uh, back to the Emmons family, great start for them, which again, as you mentioned, Luke's no surprise. Uh, that's that talent runs deep in that family. But back to Austin, you know, obviously this is a very talented young man. He's uh, he's He was a bit quiet when he won. He won a 10 grander at uh, the World Foot Break Challenge uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, just a just a guy that goes out and performs doesn't really didn't really have a whole lot to say at least there i'm sure his friends might say it's a little different but um this this decision by <laughs> tebow you know you you go by obviously a great hot rod the moser corvette of the cummings family one of their corvettes uh this is top-notch stuff and very competitive but you sit in this thing for the first time at a race in Bell Rose where, you know, there's a ton of talent around you and you, you get you a couple of time shots to get used to it. And then you go out and get the win. That says a lot about this young man and his talent. And, uh, as you mentioned, Tyler Bohan, and then we, we've talked about it ever since that great American guaranteed million dollar win. It's just like, it's a domino effect. I mean, once you get something like that behind you, it seems like everything just falls good and falls your way. And just another, uh, great decision by Tebow, purchasing the hot rod and then put Austin in it. And you mentioned the super stock um, win in Valdosta, uh, which he's done a few times, I believe, uh, some super stock finals in the HRA side. So uh, Austin Alvey is a name that uh, when he gets out and gets going, Luke, he's definitely uh, making noise and really proud for him. That's a good young man and great to see him and Tyler Bohannon teaming up and making good things happen in that Moser Corvette. Speaking of Austin's, uh, Austin Williams gets win in Super Gas at Bell Rose. That's his second consecutive season. He's won that event in Super Gas, so off to another hot start for him. Coy Collier was your winner in Super Comp. Uh, jumped out to me, too, and I guess to be expected, solid competition eliminator field in Bell Rose. Obviously, that is in, due in no small part to Roger Brogdon's investment in Division Four competition eliminator, in case you missed that episode. Brogdon doubled down this year. It is $100,000 to win the Division Four Comp Eliminator Championship. I didn't stutter. $100,000 to win the Division Four Competition Eliminator Championship. And I think perhaps more impressive than that or more notable is the depth of that payout. I believe it is ten grand to finish 10th in Division Four Competition Eliminator. Just for perspective... NHRA pays ten grand to win the Competition Eliminator World Championship. So the tenth place finisher in Division Four will earn as much money from Roger Brogdon as the national champion will earn from NHRA. Luke, I've kind of that, uh, I, <laughs> I've kind of picked at this class and these guys a little bit, and you know, called it a rich man's pissing contest when they kind of get after each other. But you're talking about world championship money at the, the highest level of drag racing. And these guys are going to get it for winning the division championship in division four. I cannot wait for this to heat up and see how this plays out throughout the season and watch the, the, the jockeying and certainly the, the banter uh, that, that we'll probably get to talk about at some point. So this is going to be a blast. Where did we find the drama last year? Like comp buzz message board or something? I, I gotta, I gotta be locked into that at some point. I need to oh, yeah. a reminder. 
like halfway through the Division Four season because there's going to be something hit the fan over there on the old Buzz Tom. Tom <laughs> yes, <Buzz>. there will. <laughs> um, Twenty-four competition eliminator cars at Melrose, which doesn't seem like a huge number, but for competition eliminator divisionals outside of like Division One, it seems like Division One still very very uh, comp is very strong in Division One. Outside of that, that's that's a huge number of comp cars. Again, doing no small part to that bonus from Roger Brogdon. Uh, and if it's any, if last year was any indication, Bellrose was the lightest turnout in Division Four for comp. Uh, maybe it's just because it's so early in the season or so far south. What I, I think that those numbers will continue to go up. And it wasn't just a large comp field; it was a deep comp field. Like looking at qualifying, I think uh, nearly half of the field was 60 plus under. So a lot of fast cars, a lot of competitive cars. Uh, Scott Cascio ended up triumphant at Bellrose getting the win over Keith Hall. So he gets the early jump in that massive $100,000 points battle. We'll keep up with that as the year goes on. Uh, yeah, Luca, and I don't, want to, I don't want to interrupt you, but, yeah. I, I, you know, these guys across the country, they, they protect their CIC. You know, they protect their index, and it's kind of a, you know, maybe an unwritten rule that that you do that and protect it. When when this thing gets down to the nitty gritty and, and there's a hundred k on the line, nobody's going to give a crap about CIC. We're going to find out how fast a comp car can go, and that's going to be fun. If you that just puts you in the position, Jed, like you have one round to win the division, and obviously, like if your opponent goes red you're not going to go 70 under or whatever, but you said, if you just make the thing go as fast as it'll go, let's say it's 75, 80 under the index. Like if you have to hold it on the floor, you're holding it on the floor. You're like, dang right. When else? I think the difference between first and second is $50,000. Like when else are you going to stage for a $50,000 round in competition eliminator? I'll answer that. Never. <laughs> no, ne never till you do. Now, granted, I mean, I don't know if a hundred grand justifies having a competition eliminator car, or if it if it would justify taking a tenth of permanent index because I don't. God only knows what it costs to retrieve that, but it would be awfully hard to give up in that situation. <laughs> so yes, it gonna, would. Um, Jonathan Anderson, I think, stole the show at South Georgia at the the Division Two opener, really the NHRA opener of the season. It was the first race of the year. Um, he was the star of the show. He won Super Comp. He advanced to the semis of Super Gas. Um, speaking of Super Gas, the winner there was Nicole Stevenson. It was her first um, divisional event, Wally. Uh, she got the win over John Laboose. And I'll just chalk this up. I think this is we're going to bring back the bad beats. I don't. I don't know if you have any bad beats. There hasn't been a lot of racing. John Laboose Jr. gets my bad beat. He rolls into the final of Super Gas. He was very typical Laboose in his performance. I think he was. Uh, 20 on a buy run. Other than that, his worst light is 10. Maybe 17 in there at one point. Um, everything else double O's. In the final, eight take four. Solid. And to take nothing away from Nicole Stevenson, obviously she won the race. She's very capable. But she had never won a divisional event. Like, you, you give me eight take four against someone that has yet to win one of these in the final, I'll take that. He was nowhere close. Nicole Stevenson, double O one under so obviously the boost is significantly more under but i thought that that's a rough beat a take four should win and uh it didn't it, it didn't really even sniff it so 
Bad yeah. beat, uh, first bad beat of 2022. Congratulations, sort of. Down the bitch, you. Yeah, that is a bad beat. I, I don't have any other examples other than obviously I feel like you got you know a tough one out there as well over the weekend, but um, that's that's a rough beat. But in Nicole's defense, uh, aside from a, a some kind of mishap in E2, uh, she had a really good box score. You know, a 15, a 6, a 4, a 17, and then follows it up with a 001 in the final. So uh, she didn't, she definitely didn't fall into that win. She uh, she went out there and drove and earned it. But Labouche uh, made a championship caliber run, and it just obviously did not work out. But uh, that is definitely a bad beat. Yeah, good point. Speaking of bad beats, I think the – well, yeah, we even we even hit on this in our season closing episode. The bad beat of the season in 2021 belonged to Jeremy Hancock, right? Jeremy Hancock laid down 2,000 total in the million. Yeah, and didn't get a win light. So that's a great transition because Jeremy Hancock was your top dragster winner at South Georgia uh, season opener. Got the win over Steve Furr, uh, so I thought that was notable as well. That's really about all I've got from the NHRA Tour, Big Jed. I know there were a couple of big dollar bracket races down on the Gulf Coast, a little bit closer to your region. Um, walk through those. Yeah, Luke. So uh, the the big buck bracket scene is is off and running. We've had a, a couple of races already, and then um, this uh, past weekend, the King of the Coast series, which is run by Galen Rollison, and everybody knows Galen. He's partners with uh, Britt on the Great American Bracket Race series. Uh, he does this King of the Coast series on his own and um, does that at Gulfport Dragway. And it's been wildly successful. Luke, I, I don't even know how long Galen's been doing it, but I, I would say it's 15 years plus. Um, very successful series down there. So Galen uh, got him off and running with uh, over 270 entries in the first race. Obviously, a lot of attention on that race because uh, it's one of very few that you can go to this time of year. So great crowd by him or for him. And those guys uh, got in a, a ton of racing down there. The Friday's gamblers race was won by on the top bulb was won by Greg Rollison over Wayne Henry. The uh, foot break gamblers race was won by Robert Allen over Larry Sagan. And uh, yeah, I did learn how to say that by the way. Thank you. Opie Pierce. Um, Luke, that was just some gamblers nice, race. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I did that through text. I, we would have, you could have given me 10 shots at that, and I would not have come up with Sagan. So I'm glad you got that right. <laughs> well, I told him the same thing. We uh, we ran through it uh, with different names, but Sagan, I don't think I ever would have got there. But at any rate, uh, they started their racing action, real racing on Saturday with um, the junior dragsters, uh, seven to nine age group was won by Charlie uh, Rentiope or Rent, Rentep, maybe. Um, sorry about that, Charlie, but one by uh, one over. Uh. <laughs> yeah, should I ask Opie? Uh, got the win <laughs> over Kylie Ortego. Um, the 10 to 12 age group was uh, Josiah Varner over Demi Stogner. And the 13 to 17 was Zach Pierce over Riker Cromwell. All of those winners in the juniors winning an Ironman. So that was a cool deal for them. Nice trophy to, to add to their collection if they have one. I know you know a little, a few things about Ironman yourself, Mr. Bogacki. So um, they moved over into uh, Top Bulb and that was a split and quit with Adam Russell 
think we all know Adam and what he's accomplished lately. And he uh, and Alan Wickle. He great. <laughs> yeah, I think he's uh, collected a pretty good check late last fall. Um, and Alan Wickle uh, is a very good friend of his. So they did a split and quit and had a, a cool little picture in the winter circle where they were both tugging on the Iron Man. I don't know how they split that up, but those guys are half crazy each. So they probably cut that thing into pieces and took half each. But either way, uh, good performance by them. Um, foot break was won by Daniel Riddle, which is a gentleman from North Alabama. So Daniel made the trip down to Gulfport payoff with a win over Joe Turner. Daniel got his Iron had to get Man that big check. Yeah, well, I had to. I apologize. But Alan Wickles <laughs> from Alabama, too. So, I mean, Alabama, just wherever we go, we just get it done. Um, they uh, even have a sportsman class, Luke, which is a cool class they do. And uh, Casey Gedry got the win over Carl Schaefer. So, that wrapped up Saturday's action. They moved into Sunday where the uh, junior dragsters always start out first at the King of the Coast series. A really cool thing that Galen does. The seven to nine age group, Kylie Ortego, which you just heard about, uh, uh, come up with a runner-up the day prior. Kylie got the win over Jillian Sandrock this day. Uh, 10 to 12 was Kyler Morrell over Josiah Varner. And 13 to 17 was Claire Russell over Carson Emmett from sand mountain alabama area so good for carson tough young man we hear a lot out of in the junior category and then luke they wrapped it up with their top bulb sunday action with jesse marceau getting a win over brandon henry and foot break remember larry sagan we just talked about in the gamblers race from friday in the final round well larry was in the final round of foot break as well on sunday and Larry Sagan was facing Larry Sagan. So Larry gets the win and the runner-up. Great performance by Larry. And then sportsman category was Mike Semino over Casey Gabby and Casey one day prior. So good weekend for Casey as well. But Larry Sagan, the man of the hour there in Gulfport on Sunday with a, a win and runner-up facing himself in the final round. That's a heck of a performance by him. Yeah, all total. That's three finals on the weekend. Have you ever done that, Jed? Have you run yourself in a final? I have run myself in a final. It's uh, It's been quite some time, but uh, I, I did it a long time ago a couple of times. But, you know, that was back when I could race. Nowadays, hey, I would just like to get one to one. Is one that stands out? Like, I feel like there's an opportunity for story time here. Oh, goodness. Um, I don't really have a story about it, but... Um, I, I definitely um, did it in the, the foot break class at Lassiter Mountain Dragway. And um, it was not, it was before you could run the same car twice. So I was running two different cars, mine and a friend's car, and uh, got both of them to the final. So um, that tells you how long ago it was way before the double entry style that we see today. So it's been quite some time, Luke. It's, I wouldn't even really remember the story, but, you know, it's it's cool feeling for sure. How about you? I, I would think you've done that. Yeah. I, there's one that stands out. I think I've done it a couple of times. The, the one that I remember most vividly uh, was a, a Drag Race Results Series race at um, Gainesville that 
I believe it was a 10 grander, maybe it was a five grander, but I had my dragster and my Vega in the final of Super Pro. And then I also won the sportsman class in the Vega. So it was like a kind of a triple up. But yeah, the, the run yourself in the final deal, it's, it's really tricky because like, as we've talked about before, I think the hardest round to win is the round after you just lose. So like that can all go really haywire really quick. Even having two entries in the semis, like the second you drop one, it's, I think it's really difficult to come back and, and get another, but on those days where lightning is, does capture itself in a bottle for you and you're able to, to just continue winning and things really happen fast there late when you're particularly when you're doubled. Um, and when the momentum just keeps going and then all of a sudden you look up and there's nobody left, that's an incredible feeling. So for Larry, don't call me Seguin Sagan to accomplish that at, at what I would have to assume. I know in that part of the country, you, you get an opportunity to essentially race year round, but what I would have to assume for most of those racers was the, the season opener to kick off 2022 in that manner is a really impressive and B has to be just a huge shot in the arm confidence wise. Yeah. And that's a, that's great points, Luke. And that's a series where they have champions at the end of the year. So when you get off to a start like that, that's, obviously a great feeling but it also positions you to to maybe go on and do some bigger and better things when the, the season wraps up so good for all those winners uh and and definitely good for galen that's a that's a series that he has done as i mentioned for a long time and it's really just for the the area that he's in the love of bracket racing and wanting to see people have great options to come compete at a really cool facility and he's been doing that so long and, and it's really been good for him. So really happy for Galen. Like I said, over 270 entries total. So cool deal there. And speaking of cool deals, Luke, um, the Southern Big Bucks Nationals was also going on uh, same weekend. So, you know, you'd think that's not too far away. It's in, uh, it's at Capitol, um, State Capitol Raceway and uh, Baton Rouge. So that's not too far from Gulfport. So you think there, there could be, you know, it could hurt each crowd a little bit. They had over 200 themselves. Great crowd for Johnny Ezell and Cody Pollage and uh, Madison and the folks putting on that event. So uh, good for them as well. And, uh, they, that was definitely some big bucks racing. They had uh, Friday's 10K in box where Corey Gulitti got the win. I think we're very familiar with OCG there got the win over Jake Levitino, Jake tough racer from down that area. So big, big time final round there for those guys, $10,000 on Friday to get it started. Nice win there to start your weekend. Uh, no box was 5k on the line. My old buddy, Jimmy Denham out of Oklahoma rode down to Baton Rouge and got the win there over Stuart Oland. Luke, which uh, most people will know him as Poo Poo Pasquale. And if you don't follow Poo Poo Pasquale on social media, <laughs> you know, if you, if you don't like a little bit of language, this is not your guy. But if it doesn't bother you, you need to check out Poo Poo. This guy's, uh, he's a riot, man. He's a lot of fun. So definitely a big final round for him as well. Happy to see that for Stuart. Saturday, Luke. They had a 15K to win top bulb race where Derek Patton, Derek, again, familiar face in final rounds, big deal for him, got the win over a guy that, my goodness, his, his final rounds are probably countless. And this fella has been doing it a long time and still does it well. Our friend, Buddy, 
for real Farrell in a big final, 15K final there where Derek Patton comes up a little short and Derek gets the win. But that was uh, that was huge for for Derek, I'm sure. But Buddy, how impressive is he, Luke? I mean, everybody loves Buddy, and everybody's seen him just do it year after year after year. The guy is unbelievable. He's had such a, a resurgence over the course of the last, what, six months? It seems like he's been in the final everywhere he goes since he got that new dragster, basically. And, yeah, I mean, Buddy's a guy that you just don't want to line up beside. It's been like that for the 20 years that I've been racing, you know, at a, at a high level. And he just, he just makes good runs. When his car's good, he wrecks the tree. He doesn't get real fancy at the finish line. But, like, he is going to lay you down something that is really tough to beat. And I always said, like, you don't want any part of him at Memphis or Holly Springs. But that circle's getting wider, Big Jet. Like, you just don't, you don't want to mess with Buddy anywhere. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it, it is cool. And I, I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know how old Buddy is. I know he had some health problems in the, not too long ago, like was sidelined with COVID and, and I believe was in pretty bad shape at one point. So awesome to see him come through that and regain this form. You know, that's the Buddy Farrell that we've known for a long time. Um, and it's just, it, it speaks to the idea, like, I, I've realized, and it, it gives me hope, like, it gives us hope, Big Jet, as we, as we transition, as we all get older, right? You see racers, whether it's, you know, we talked about Edmund Richardson or, or Jeff Heffler, like, take a lot of time off and, and jump back in. I think Jeff's probably in his early to mid-50s and just not miss a beat. Like, it gives me hope that you can do this at a high level for a lot more years, which is reassuring. Like, I like that idea, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, it's definitely inspiring for sure, Luke. And you know, Buzzy, Buddy, as you mentioned, um, you know, has performed well in his new dragster, but he's also done well for decades in his first gen Camaro. So, you know, this guy can do it in the door car. He can do it in the dragster. He's he's playing a much different game today than what the game looked like when he started, but he's adapted to it and just continued to excel. So. Just uh, a fan favorite for sure. Happy to see Buddy getting in another big final round. Don't want to take anything from Derek Patton because that was a huge win for him too. So really cool final there. And when we moved over to No Box, that was a seven thousand dollars. Hold on, I got, I got, I got more Buddy Farrell stories, and I want to talk about Derek Patton too. Yes, um, Buddy's probably. I think it's fair to say Buddy is the only. I'll I'll go out on a limb, Jed. Say that Buddy is the only finalist we will see in a $15,000 plus win event this season that has hit a deer on the racetrack. <laughs> it was a deer. Yeah. Are you, are you familiar with the story? I, I am it, not. I think it was a deer. It was at Bihalia in his dragster. Why he had his dragster at Bihalia, I have no idea, but apparently he did. And like a deer ran across the shut, and I think it was a deer. Maybe it was like a, it was some type of animal, like not a small animal. And it jumped and like Buddy went under it and it took off the hood scoop of his dragster. Oh, well, that, that sounds like that was a near miss of, of coming in the cab there. That was yes. definitely would have been a bad thing. Yes. So that happened. I think that, that, that correct me if I'm wrong. I know. You're big on Alabama. I believe things like that can only happen in Mississippi. I think that's proprietary. <laughs> yeah, well. I, I, I'm probably butchering the story, but that is not myth. Like, that happened. 
So I think I think Buddy's got the market cornered on that. I, I think he'll be the only finalist this year that can tell a story similar to that. Um, circling back, I, I don't want to take the shine off of, of Derek Patton. Obviously, that's Hunter Patton's um, older brother. I believe it's the older brother. Any chance that <clears throat> Hunter makes an appearance as Derek Patton? Any chance that this was Hunter Patton? Now, they don't really even look alike. Uh, I don't know if it was, and I doubt that Hunter's <laughs> going to make an appearance as Derek, but uh, that's, a, that's a cool twist. Be interesting to see if that happens. I can confirm nor deny. I was not there. Yeah, nor was I, but uh, I don't think that was probably <laughs> Derek. <laughs> if it was Hunter, we probably would have heard about it by now. <laughs> probably so. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, both, both very, very talented racers. Sharing last name and and get it honest, their father um, drawn up yeah. right now. Their father's a very good Daryl Patton, very good racer out of, out of the Houston area as well. Um, I'll let you go through the the rest. Uh, I think the high the high watermark for no box that weekend seven thousand dollars win Saturday was won by surprise surprise. Parker yeah, went over Robbie Mullins. Yeah, Lucas Walker off to a hot start. Uh, won a won a race at the New Year's Nationals uh, down in Florida. And then comes out here and gets a nice big $7,000 win over a tough, tough Robbie Mullins. Robbie, one of the baddest dudes around down that part of the country. So uh, no surprise there to see those two all-stars in the final round. Good for Lucas getting a win. I think um, had an issue or two with his own car and had to hop in Charlie Lockhart's Monza to, uh, to take that thing all the way to the final round and get the win. So a cool story there for Lucas and a nice big win for him and his teammate, Charlie Lockhart. Uh, Luke, they had uh, nice junior dragster racers as well, or a nice crowd of them. Eight to 12-year-old was won by Douglas Hughes over Adeline Thiels. And 13 to 18 was Mario Gonzalez over Maddie Chesney. So nice uh, Saturday wrap-up there for them. They did have some uh, shootout scheduled afterwards. They called it the Cajun King shootout. Now you've got King of Illinois shootout at your Jig Summer Door Car shootout, and uh, that's a that's a cool thing. King of Illinois, the Cajun King. You know, I I would like to be the King of Illinois. I like to be the King of anything, but I'd really like to be the Cajun King at some point in my life. So hopefully, I can get there. That's a fantastic ring to it. Yeah, it really does, and it just like it's like you're somebody, you know. So good stuff there. It feels like there should be. It feels like there should be beads involved, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, easy, easy now. Um, <laughs> we know beads can lead to some some good things and some maybe not so good things. But either way, it was a thirteen thousand dollar to win. <laughs> top I didn't shootout. think about it like that. Okay, fair. <laughs> 13k to win that's a big deal Luke. and uh, it was won by rocky mclean rocky uh, putting his name on the trophy there and getting a win over rodney jordan and a nice thirteen thousand dollar payday they did also have a no box shootout for 2500 and no surprise here chad sandlin chad one of the toughest bottom bulbers in the country gets the win over jeremiah butler so chad puts his name on another big check which is very commonplace for him. They had a burnout contest, and my man, my aforementioned good buddy, Poo Poo Pasquale, Stuart Olin, got the win or got the, the trophy there for the burnout contest. So good for Stuart. And I wish I had seen that. I, I'm sure that was epic. You like burnout contests too? I bet it was too. I bet he had his uh, Poo Poo Pasquale gear on, but 
either way, um, that was a good wrap up for Saturday. Lots of big winners and uh, guys not repeating. It had several different winners on the day, which is always cool to see. And then Sunday, Luke, uh, it was 10K in the top ball box category. And the, the Ezel family pretty much cleaned up all the way across the board, box and no box. Brittany, Dr. Brittany Ezel uh, Lejeune, that's, you know, it's got a J, so we want to say Lejeune, but I bet since Brittany's from down there in Louisiana, that's Lejeune. What do you think? I, can, you, can you say it for me once more? Lejeune. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I don't know if that's right or not, but I'd like for you to keep saying it. <laughs> that like should that. be it if it isn't. <laughs> Brittany's kicked my tail before, so I know how talented she is. She's a tough racer. She got the win for 10K over Greg Parr. And uh, in no box, her father, Wyatt Ezel, got the win over Michael Crass, the Kentucky headhunter, making his way down there and getting in a big 5K final. So Wyatt and Brittany getting to share the uh, winner's circle, really cool moment for them. That was awesome stuff. And uh, the juniors wrapped them up, Luke, with 8- to 12-year-old Slade Olin over Colin Landry. Now, I can only assume that both of those young racers are tied to some really tough, legendary folks in our sport, maybe uh, Slade. It must be uh, Stewart's son. I'm not sure, but uh, definitely, I'm sure, kin to him. And then Colin Landry, I, again, I'm assuming, but uh, Jay Landry and those guys from down in there, down in South Louisiana, some tough, tough racers. So Colin's probably tied to them. But either way, uh, great performances in the 8 to 12-year-old category. And 13 to 18, wrapped them up with Matty Chesney. Instead of runnering up this time, Matty gets the win over drag champs on Austin Free. Gary Don Free's son, Austin making the 13 to 18 year old final there and putting drag champ in a final round. So cool deal for them. And just a really great event. Again, over 200 entries. Uh, I've talked to people that were there and they said just a really high quality event. Great time. They, they do a really good job of keeping the, the racing serious, but having fun too. So a uh, good deal for, uh, for Johnny Ezell and Madison and uh, Cody Pollage and their team, uh, really happy for them. And you got two events, Luke. I don't know how far Baton Rouge and Gulfport are from one another, but I would say they're probably no I more than far, yeah. yeah, three hours at the most. And uh, you get uh, nearly 500 between them on the same weekend. Good deal. It's great to see. It's really cool to see the racers showing up to these events. I hope that we continue to see that throughout the year. I know. There's little challenges here and there, and, and fuel is not, you know, where we where any of us want it fuel pricing. But it looks like uh, folks are battling through it and just going anyway. So I'm I'm happy to see that. I got a couple of thoughts. So I want to follow up on the the, the Cajun King shootout because it does have a, an amazing ring to it. What's the best name for like a a, a shootout like that? Like. What rings to mind, you may not know this, Big Jeff. One of the things that you may not know about me, one of the things the listeners may not realize, did you know that I am a former, two-time, in fact, Arkansas State champion? Oh, wow. I did not know That's that right. you were two-time Arkansas racer. State champion. Two-time Arkansas State champion. Never, never resided in the state of Arkansas, yet have two state championships to my name. I don't, that is fact, pretty cool. I don't 
I don't know that I've ever been a state champion anywhere but Arkansas. <laughs> that, is, but, that is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, so that one stood out to me. You mentioned King of Illinois. Cajun King's got an amazing ring to it. it, it what's the, um, like the King of the Fling? That's a cool, I keep, I keep falling back on Kings, right? But there's lots of cool names like that. Yeah, King of the Fling, I, you know, just off the top of my head, I can't really uh, think of much stuff, but, and I'm going to, I'm going to do kind of a humble brag here. Uh, we had years ago at one of our World Footbreak Challenge events, um, we decided that we would do a ladies only race. And um, that was won, by the way, by the late, great Susan McMillan. I know you remember Susan well. She yeah. Was, great racer she it didn't matter man woman or whomever was over the other lane she she was racing hard and uh, was just really talented and did a great job she won our only ladies only shootout ever and uh i named that event that shootout ladies night out and uh you know i just, I just thought that was a really cool name for it and then when we got the check and all that stuff and she did her she won it all it was it was just a fun moment and uh, i thought that was a, a cool name for a shootout but that's a that's definitely some studying i need to do i need to look at some names on shootouts because cool shootout names um you know they just make it fun to win it just when you win something like that like you're the arkansas state champion Luke, two time no one could ever take that away from me that's right. So when you when you win stuff like that and you get that, you know, we've got um, we've got Holiday Beach has a special race at the end of the year every year. It's called King of the Beach. And there's some King of the there Beach races go. otherwise. And we've got Lassiter Mountain, King of the Mountain. I have been King of the Mountain and King of the Beach. So that's uh, those trophies and those memories are fun. So, yeah, it's a really good question you had. I, I think um, I think we need to have people spicing their shootout names up just a little bit make them special i'd like some listener interaction on that maybe if we get enough feedback we could have like a top 10 all time we'll run that down in a future episode i think that's a really good idea so luke that covers the action i want i want to go back one more time on on from state capitol so obviously this is you mentioned johnny ezel cody pilots putting on the race and then you have Ezel family domination on Sunday. Like that's not always a, a popular combination. I, it seems like we've talked about this to some extent before, but can you think of another racer whose like public perception has changed more dramatically than Johnny Ezel's? And, and keep in mind, you, you, you can attest to this as much as anyone. Johnny's out 100% the same dude as he was 10 years ago when I met him, right? Like, Johnny is Johnny. Completely yes. unique. He ain't changed a lick, right? But it wasn't long ago that I just felt like everyone loved to hate Johnny Zo. And maybe it's just my perception, but, like, I feel like that is completely flipped. And everyone loves Johnny Zo. And it's, it's funny. It's hilarious to me because, like I said, exact same dude. I don't know if it's, like, Madison's social media influence that's kind of humanized him a little bit. I, I don't – it just seems like that's completely gone 180 to where if this had happened five years ago, like, I feel like racers would have wanted to burn the tower down. Like, wait, this guy's putting on a race and his sister and his dad win everything, and now everybody's like, oh, it's cool, good for these elves. Like, and nothing changed. 
Well, is that just me? No, no, I think you're 100% spot on with that. And it's an interesting topic that you brought up. But, and you know, as bad as I hate to bring this specific incident up, I feel like that kind of turned Luke with the broken dragster at the at the Bristol ah, Flame. You may be right. You may be um, right. You know, this is this is a guy that you know. Every we, we all have to find someone to hate, right? I mean, we we've got to we've got to figure out who the villain is at the moment, and and make sure that we we root against them. And I think Johnny had positioned himself to kind of be that guy, just for no good reason, but. He was winning a lot, and he was doing it a different way than people like to see you do it. So I think he had become somewhat the villain, but that broken dragster and, and having, you know, the, the team at Bristol at the time telling him you couldn't move on and compete even though he welded it back together, and I think that just started turning it. And, you know, before you know it, now he's uh, beloved by everyone. So, and he hadn't changed a lick, like you said. Like I don't, I don't know what the the reason or the catalyst was for this, but sometime fairly recently, I um I rewatched that the the live footage of that. I think Brick Cummings had had the live feed as they were Johnny was fixing his car in the pits, and it's a huge scene. There's a huge crowd. It was typical racers like we're all standing there just watching. Like there's literally three people doing the work, right? And and a crowd of a hundred. And to just watch Johnny's demeanor through all of it, he's he's the guy doing all the work, and he's not um, doesn't seem rushed, doesn't seem concerned that his car just broke in half with twenty cars remaining and a twenty grander. Like it's completely calm, cool, collected, under control, and is basically like not forcefully, you know, in as pleasant a manner as possible is basically just telling everybody, just get out of my way. I got this. And I don't know how you could watch that and it not completely command your respect. Like if you are the, the racer scrunching money together, doing everything yourself to get out there and compete. And at one point it was really easy to look at someone like Johnny Zell and go that son of a B, right? Like he wins all the time. Like, I, I don't like that guy if you're that person and then watch that transpire, it was really hard not to root for that guy. You, you may have just hit the nail on the head. Like that may have been the turning point. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And like you said, it is hard to, to not root for somebody that, you know, you, you think we can all sit back and tend to think that the winning comes easy and, you know, he just jumps in the car and goes up there and makes his lap and he's done. But when you see somebody fighting that hard and, and that's, you know, he's very talented to be able to, to put that back together, uh, whether you agree with the, you know, the decision that was made or not, but to even get it where it would get back up there in that time frame was super impressive. And, you know, it's a, it's a guy that's obviously full of talent. He builds those cars for other people and builds his own chassis. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's easy. For a, some, like, there, ain't, there ain't many people that possess the, the skill set that Johnny's got for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's easy for a moment like that to turn our perception uh, and, and thoughts about somebody. And I believe it did. And certainly, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's just that kind of guy. He's calm, cool. When I watched him, you know, I watched him at the Great American Million do that converter swap. I mean, that was, yeah. my gosh, they did that in just a handful of minutes. And it was, you know, it took like nearly 10 minutes, but some of that was charging the battery. And he did a converter swap and had it ready to race. 
It was <laughs> very impressive, and he wasn't scrambling like he he was discombobulated or anything. So, uh, yeah, Johnny's Johnny's definitely changed the perception for whatever how you want to view whatever caused it. But uh, I'm glad. That's a he's a good dude. A lot of fun. Yeah. No, it's um, and I I think back to to, to watching him in Montgomery the year that he won the million and just how he seems so removed from the situation. Like, I don't know that anybody can go through that and not feel the pressure, but from the outside looking in, it looked like Johnny was staging for third round at state Capitol. Like just his, his persona never changes. Like it's really impressive to watch from the outside. Yeah, no doubt about it. So enough loving on JBR. Uh, Luke, that wraps up all the results and on-track action that we've seen. I, uh, I, I think we've got an event here that we want to discuss briefly and uh, try to put some attention on it for people that uh, choose to participate in these classes. Well, this just jumped out to me. It got my attention specifically on the heels of uh, last week's show where we had, uh, or was it two weeks ago show, we had uh, Dan Fletcher and Peter Biondo on kind of discussing the future of NHRA. And one of the topics that we brought up was, um, is there is there any potential in the near future for um, outside promoters to really threaten NHRA, you know, for, for someone to basically take that format without some of the, let's put it lightly, like some of the BS that comes along with NHRA racing. And we all kind of mutually agreed, like, no, NHRA is still, it's, it's, it's a standalone thing. And I don't see any, any way that it's really going to certainly go away or even diminish significantly. I thought it was interesting and worth noting um, this year's class racers revival, which is a, an event that we talked about last season presented by Tyler Bohannon and Brian Whitworth. Uh, it's at uh, worldwide technology Raceway. I always want to say the, the racetrack formerly known as gateway near St. Louis. It's uh, April 28th through May 1st. And what was unique or what jumped out to me this season was not only is it a big dollar stock super stock combo, not only are they having a massive uh, competition eliminator event, those happened last year. This year, they added Super Comp and Super Gas, the, the 90 classes. It's, it's $5,000 to win each day, two-day event, uh, which you know is not a huge purse, but for those classes is commensurate to what you can win. Heck, today, almost at a national event, like the contingency purses are down so much. It's, it's under $10,000 to win a national event for sure. Um, and these races, like the entry fee is commensurate to running, say, a, a divisional, or certainly a double divisional event where you'd spend $200 per event. And to win a divisional now after contingencies, I think you're looking at maybe $3,000. Well, this is $5,000 to win each one. So from a money standpoint, it makes more sense. I think racers like the opportunity to get two shots in a weekend. But beyond that, there is no real change in format from the typical NHRA structure like it is similar rules and similar indexes both in the stock super stock combo obviously competition eliminator and super comp super gas so I just to be completely transparent I love this idea we talked about this last year after the race that Rock Haas put on in Stanton Michigan like I love the thought because I really enjoy 90 racing like it's to me it's significantly more fun than bracket racing just because it brings back a lot of the ways that I grew up racing, like you stage and don't necessarily know what you're running. Like there's a ton of variables. It puts more emphasis on driving the finish line. Like for all the BS that comes with NHRA racing, 
I, my argument is once you put the helmet on, it's way more fun. Like it is more fun to compete in that aspect to me personally, right. And, and to each his own. So this format kind of duplicates that, but again, without some of the, the hoops that you have to jump through to NHRA. So I love that idea in general. And um, to be completely transparent, like, I won't be at this race. The scheduling's awful for me personally. That's the weekend that John Moggins and I are putting on the, the bottom bulb explosion, big dollar uh, no box race, uh, big dollar bottom bulb race in Arkansas City, Kansas. So I won't be at Gateway, but I'm a huge fan of events of this nature. I want to see this succeed. I want to see more events like this. So with that said, let me circle this back, Jed. Like, is there any chance, and I'm not saying specifically Brian and Tyler pose a threat to NHRA, but is there any chance that events like this catch on and pose a threat to the NHRA structure? Or will something like this always be more of a supplement to the diehard NHRA competitor? Great question, Luke. And definitely, I'm probably not the guy that, that has the best view of this, but my thoughts are no. I Will they steal a racer or two? Maybe, you know, they might get a guy that's, that says, I'm just going to do this a couple of times and not go to those other events, divisionals, nationals, whatever. But for the most part, these things are really difficult to, to make financial sense for the, the promoter putting it on. I would think you would have to have tracks involved if you want to make this um, profitable for the, the people putting on the race and, and do something purse-wise that can attract the racers because the guys that race in HRA definitely love the Wally. Um, you know, they're racing for that. I think the majority of them love the atmosphere, although, you know, the, they're, they're not the show per se, but I still think they love the atmosphere with the pros there and certainly their friends and hanging out in the pits and not having to run themselves to death. So I, I don't think that this, type of racing can replace that or steal the racers per se because they're used to racing at world-class events i mean world-class facilities and those things are expensive and uh, i rent one a couple times a year so i can tell you they're expensive and that makes it challenging for promoters to be able to make it work financially and do something that will attract people and then you know like the the event that you're talking about here the the um the class racer revival as uh, in their big stock super stock combo, uh, obviously there's no heads up. So uh, those guys competing, even when you pair someone with your same uh, classification, you're not going to have a heads up run. So, and I think there's a, there's a fair percentage of the guys that show up at the NHRA events that are kind of they kind of get geeked up about a heads up run because they've spent a ton of money and they've done everything they can possibly do to get their car where to go fast. And they want to, they just want to have a good heads up run. So I think just a combination of some of those little things will keep it from ever replacing the NHRA events and stealing all of their racers, but definitely could see where it can have a, an impact on them. Uh, maybe albeit small, but I think it can have an impact. Yeah, I agree. Like there is, and I know, you know, in, in a lot of cases here, we're reiterating a lot of the things that, that Peter and, and Dan had said. Um, there is definitely a, a, a niche of racers who this format appeals to, right? Because 
I'll be completely frank. Like I enjoy the NHRA format. There, there is a lot of things about this type of racing that are quite frankly frustrating as hell, right? Like you just pull your hat and go, this is, why are we making this so difficult? Right? Like, and, and that's the common refrain. But if you step back from that briefly and take in the big picture, there's a lot that we don't give NHRA credit for that they get right and have gotten right for decades. And a lot of things that would be difficult, if not impossible, to replicate or duplicate from any promoter. Like there is still an electricity to a national event final round that you just, it's hard to, to feel anywhere else, um, whether that is the fans in the stands that are, let, let's be completely honest, that they're not there to see Gary Stinnett. They're there to see John Force, right? But they're there and it adds to the atmosphere and the, the professionalism of the approach, which again, largely feels like it's over our heads as sportsmen. Like it doesn't feel like any of that professionalism is necessarily geared towards us, but it does trickle down, right? Um, there's a lot of things that NHRA has built over a long time that I think um, are somewhere between difficult and impossible to replicate or replace and are ultimately the reason that I don't, I don't think, even if you put together the, the work, which would be a monumental undertaking to, to take what, like, say, Brian and, and Tyler have built and, and scale it, you know, on like a national level, even if you took on that undertaking, I, I think it would, you'd be hard pressed to um, seriously compete with what NHRA has built. Now, with that said, stuff like this is awesome as an alternative um, or as a supplement, perhaps, to NHRA competition. And maybe if it does grow, if whether that's Tyler and Brian putting on more events like this, or that's just more events like this popping up, particularly if they're presented by racers, which I think adds an element to it. Um, I do think there is potential to get NHRA's attention, maybe keep them on their toes. Like I do feel like that's one thing that is lacking as IHRA's sportsman series disappeared is there's essentially no competition for this market. And NHRA knows that, you know what I mean? So it's not that they intentionally piss on sportsman racers, but there's no reason to make sportsman racers a priority. And if things like this were to take off and, and catch NHRA's attention, like maybe that changes and that, that would be better for everyone. Yeah. I couldn't agree more Luke. Uh, and, and just, you know, the things you talked about, the, the atmosphere and that feeling. And when you win in an HRA event, I, I've never done that. Obviously I've been fairly close in a couple of attempts and I, I know that's, it, it consumed me. The thought about being that guy that, that stood there and hoisted that Wally and, and won the, the event that weekend was just a feeling that I longed for, you know, and, and I can only imagine what it feels like to actually do it. And I'm not sure anything can replace that. And on the flip side, I, I love the event, the, the class racer revival. I, I think it's great for the racers in that sport to get an opportunity to get a financial return and compete in an event where they're the show and they don't have to take a back seat to anybody and be told that the, your schedule's moving because of this or that. So I love what, uh, what Tebow and, and, Brian Whitworth are doing, and uh, I hope that it's wildly successful for them. Uh, I know last year was the first year for it, and 
certainly um, want to see those guys have a great successful year of it and see those uh, those class racers that put so much into their racing program get an opportunity to to compete for something pretty special so should be good all the way around that's and, my takeaway here like super super class racers stock super stock racers go support this race like this is a good event and i would love to see more of them so go support it yeah no doubt and uh, speaking of good events luke um uh you know the tebow and brian whitworth had their races their their derby city races at ohio valley and you know they're moving that now to a, a facility their crowds have gotten really large and those guys were um okay never mind we'll cut that out <laughs> we scratch that um yeah we'll just let mark cut this up um okay yeah, yeah. we're up against a bit of a hard out you want to close this thing out i think we said everything that needs to be said we took we're good at this we took a 45 minute show and turned it into an hour and a half yeah a little bit of gas bagging but it was fun it was a good discussions <laughs> and and always these little questions and things that pop up that we get to discuss is what makes the show a little more funner so good stuff luke but it has come to an end uh, racers and, and listeners uh, we appreciate you listening this long, and certainly if you got some comments on the show or some thoughts, don't forget those uh, shootout thoughts. So if you know a cool name of one or if you're thinking a, a cool name one could be, uh, post it right there on the Drag Racing uh, uh, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can put it out there publicly for everyone to see, or you can do it privately through private message, and we'll collect that when uh, producer Mark does. But certainly i want to hear from you what you liked about the show or what you thought we got wrong or right or whatever just uh, just let us know you're listening we need you to to reach out to us and tell us what you're thinking and, and give us some ideas when you have them so love to hear from you on the, the facebook page luke i mean we we talked about some pretty cool stuff so i know there's got to be some shouts here shout to aaron stanfield the stanfield family young and old like really young to, to fairly old Shouts to Austins everywhere, whether it's Austin Williams, Austin Alvey. We talked about a lot of Austins. I don't think we talked about Austin Richardson at all, but he's a good guy. Good racer. Yeah, I love him. Shouts to Larry Sagan and Opie Pierce, for that matter. Shouts <laughs> to Buddy For Real and the deer. We think it was a deer. We might get clarification on that at some point. Shouts to the Patton family. Derek, don't call me Hunter Patton. Shouts to Marty Grabeeds with no context. We're going to leave that one alone. Shouts to the humble brag, Big Jed, because that is absolutely my department. I am the humble bragger of the group. You stole that today, but at least you you prefaced it. You you warned us. Hey, humble brag coming. Yeah, so, that good for you. Makes it tolerable. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> good stuff. Great, great list of shouts. Loved it. Thank you for that, Luke. Uh, certainly, good luck to you uh, on the rest of your road trip which uh, has not gotten off to the start that uh, any of us would have liked to have seen for you. But I love your, your mental game. I love your attitude and where you're at. And I think this double divisional is going to turn it around for you and get you right back on track where, uh, where you uh, expect to be and want to be. So I'm looking forward to seeing how those results turn out for you. And then certainly as you move on from Phoenix, hopefully that continues to go well. And you know, when you land in Vegas out there and race a good race. So, Pulling for you, bro. Hope things go well. And uh, folks, if you'd like to tweet us, 
We'd love to hear from you on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Reach out to us. Tell us what's up. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon about some more Sportsman Drag Racing. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.